Okay. Welcome back to Nazarani's in the City. I'm Josh. I am Siraj. I'm Moby. I'm Father Rajiv. And we're back. Uh, yes, we are. What's up? What's going on? Not much. We just came back from a walk on the train nice tracks. Walk. We had some Sam and curry, not salmon curry, as Sean would say. Yeah. I mean, can you explain what salmon curry is? Uh, yeah, it's basically like it's fish, right? <laughs> they're just trying to trigger me because i get so triggered when sean would say hey there's this new place called salmon curry and I'd be like like salmon curry like the like fish curry like mean curry yeah and he'd be like no no, no like salmon curry i'd be like yeah like salmon curry and i'd be like what are you saying <laughs> and then he showed me the place it's sam and curry which is this new place in san jose um, which is basically like an indian chipotle they i mean they literally, literally bought like an indian or a chipotle place Pretty sure they kept some of the same employees and like same system. They have the same trays and everything, fajitas, and it's just like the whole order. Everything is the same except it's Indian food instead of Mexican food. So we and believe in the area. Try it out. We believe they are pioneers of the Indian fast food industry. I kid you not. I've been telling these guys this idea for the longest time. So if you've learned <laughs> any lesson from this, is that ideas don't matter unless you execute them. Yeah. And so always listen to Abi. Yeah, that's go. another one. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I mean, can confirm. Abby has had this idea for a while. He just didn't execute. <laughs> <laughs> Backfire. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, yeah. So we had some fat burritos, like P H A T, fat burritos, and I took it. Still working on finishing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went halfway and just quit, <laughs> or not, not quit. Took pause and then yes, yes. dinner. Turn to it after this podcast. Yes, exactly. Uh, we're also watching the Chosen. If y'all ha- haven't watched the Chosen yet, season two, please. It's incredible. It's beautiful telling of the gospel story. Jesus is played by Jonathan Remy. Incredible. He's a Catholic. Yeah. But I'm okay. Let's just jump right into it. Now, before I, uh, so I'm taking lead on this topic. Uh, And before uh, we get into it, there always has to be a disclaimer that we do not try to accuse anybody. We do not try to place blame on anyone. But, you know, like we see, what was it? What did we talk about at the, on the affectivity episode with the parents, the generation gap? It's like we see trends. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's like certain patterns that we see. And I think it's important to try to, you know, draw them out and then point at it always for, uh, with the main reason being charity. Yeah. We mm-hmm. want to like, really like, I mean, I'll, I'll share this. Like I remember a couple of months ago, uh, Ciro Creators was really starting to bloom and Nisrani's in the city was getting off, off the ground. I just remember like feeling really convicted that like, I want to see, and it's my goal, you know, maybe part of my goal. I don't know. But like it's my goal to see the serum all of our church on fire with the Holy Spirit. You know, like we we really want to see a the church bloom um, in its fullness. Uh, and there are there are straight up just certain things that get in the way of that. And I think it's important that we point it out. We reflect, look back. How can we be better? How what is the Lord calling us to? Right as a church, that's how we grow. And yeah, it's not sitting back and letting the priests or bishops do all the work. We're we're part of the church as well. Yeah, and we're involved in the in the conversation. Yeah, we're all called to engage in this conversation. And yeah, let's make it a conversation. You know, like I hope this doesn't just become like us talking and then everybody else just listening. Like, please comment on the videos. Let's hear your thoughts on this, um, and let's try to make the serve all of our church the the great church that it is, um, and live it live it out the best we can. 
But okay, here's the topic. Ready? The title of this uh, podcast, I would say, is called Dangerous Catholicism. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. Jachin <laughs> uh, grew up in the 90s, so he's a... Yeah. Uh, 90s, 2000s. Yeah. 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 There's a song from Akon. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Dangerous. He was singing Dangerous. the song Dangerous by... What is it? Akon? Akon. Featuring Akon. Featuring Akon, yeah. Um, but yeah, dangerous Catholicism. Because, okay, and here's, here's kind of like my point that's going to help this conversation lift off the ground. Okay, so okay, how, do I, how do I begin this? The serum all of our uh, church, um, some, something that I notice in kind of like the parishes across the board in the U.S., perhaps in Kerala too. Um, and I ask everybody, you know, everybody who's listening, like try to see if you, you notice this, if this is the case. Um, we, ha- we, we live a, a very cultural Catholicism. And th- there's something really cool that like, especially when you go back to Kerala, the faith is like so ingrained into the culture, mm-hmm. right? Like you see shrines like like at in every city, right? Mm-hmm. Just a random shrine of St. Anthony that you can go and pray at. Uh, everybody's going to the 6 a.m. Corbana on like a random Tuesday. Uh, that's there. Um, it's there. The faith is very much alive and present uh, people go to Kurbana. you know most families they're doing their family prayer in the evening we're praying the rosary divine mercy scripture etc etc um it is there and to to that extent the the faith is very much alive but and I, again like i don't want to say this like in an accusatory way but i think i think that's it that's as far as our faith kind of goes where like nobody has a problem with going to Kurbana. Nobody has a problem with family prayer. But then but then the question becomes like, but is the faith like really impacting our lives? Has it just become background uh to our lives? Does that make sense? Like is it just kind of like part of what our what our lives are? Like, oh yeah, this is just what we do because we're Catholic? Or or like not even or but and yeah. Or is it something more? Um, is it because like it is? Because I think the faith is supposed to be at the center of our lives, where it's it, the faith is supposed to touch uh, the deepest parts of who we are. It's supposed to give shape to our lives. It's supposed to give us kind of like a a journey to take, an end to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but is it doing that? Now, why why do I think this? And I think there's a lot of examples that we can all kind of talk about that our faith. That the Sermon of our faith, um, the way we see it practiced in our own diocese and diocese outside of the U.S. in Kerala, um, that it's just a cultural faith. Why? Why I think that is because I I notice how. Excuse me. There's that. There's that burrito. <laughs> <laughs> I, I notice how within these same church communities, there is so many things that we can point. That's like that shouldn't belong in a church like so we talk about gossip you know but that's going to happen in any kind of like close community but i think w- one main example that i always kind of go back to is like vocation and the most obvious example to me uh is when you take um, this is the example that i was bringing up earlier where you take uh as a young man who has no uh brothers or sisters you know an only child siraj <laughs> uh and let's say this guy feels called to the priesthood right let's say he wants to go to seminary and he brings this up with his parents uh in a kerala context or a malabar context more than likely 
this guy is going to come into a particular tension. And what, what's the tension? It's that uh, he feels called to go to the seminary, but the problem is that if he becomes a priest, the family line ends right there. Uh, and that's why usually if you're the only son, um, you, you can't go to seminary. Um, I think things have changed now, mm-hmm. but yeah. Maybe most for the most part, yes. Yeah, and it's certainly a nuanced situation. This isn't always the case, but the fact that you can even point something out like that, the fact that I can even bring this up as a point of discussion, you know, yeah. it means that there's something there. And I think before you know we get further into the topic, I think the thing also is, you know, we can't all just say it's out of oh the family line is ending, therefore you know they can go. You know, that's that's mostly maybe I don't think that's hundred percent what always the reason sure, is, sure, right? Sure, sure, I, I yeah. think it's. First off, practically, one thing that we see in Carolina in our own culture, even in America, is maybe, maybe not in America, but is that it's it's the the boy in the family that kind of takes care of their their parents, mm. right? I, I, I correct. I don't know if it's it's either the youngest, you know, son. Usually the youngest. Yeah, usually the youngest son. If there's only one son. The yeah, son. then it's the son. If it's only one son, the son. Otherwise, it's the youngest son that takes care of their parents. You know, as they get older and older. And first off, I think that's one thing, especially our Malayali community has done an amazing job in taking care of their elderly, right? That, that doesn't mean there yeah, aren't older homes. That's a beautiful thing, yeah. But, I mean, like, if I look at out my own parents, if we look at, you know, each of our own parents, like, how much they care for their parents, right? My, my mom is, not, is away from her parents, but, like, all the time calling, calling. Same thing with my dad, right? Calling and just wanting to be with them all the time. And specifically in the Christian community, I, I think that's something very, like, something that we hold close. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's a beautiful good thing mm-hmm. right and so just i think out of tradition you know when it is only one son it's like like you know what are we gonna do and so that there's a practical concern right i want saying that doesn't justify anything but mm-hmm. i think kind of shedding light on that that it's out of a practical concern that you know maybe it's and and i think to kind of push that point further the interesting thing is seminaries won't actually at some point at one point they don't accept only you know men that are the like only right. sons of parents that, yeah. like Father Roy Palati, uh, the head of mm-hmm. Shalom USA, like he had to hop around a lot to kind of get to someone that would accept him because he was an only son, mm. right? Because a lot of seminaries were not accepting him. They're like you know you got to look after your family, all this stuff, right? So even the seminaries did that, right? And I, I think. I mean, I don't know what the reason might be, maybe because of just like this is the context and culture we live in. And therefore, you know, this is kind of like how, how we do things. Right. And so, I mean, that could be one thing. But yeah. And so I think that even on that, no, I think that's the point that like the faith is supposed to become the context. It's supposed to shape the context. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the, the problem that I have with a faith that's uh, that's become simply cultural is that it's allowed to breathe. It's allowed to exist insofar as it fits into the context, right? So even another example is like, and this is, and maybe this is just me complaining, but like, you know, in every Sir Malabar community, there's always going to be this conversation, or even just like, frankly, like Indian communities, there's always going to be a conversation about job, about money, about security, about like, like you got to, like how many of our own students and young people are constantly pressured to think about what, what they're going to do in the future, right? And to, in, in a limited scope, it's either doctor, engineer, et cetera, et cetera. Like you've heard the story a hundred times over. Um, and therefore, like be, there's, there's like a lack of freedom to, for someone to discern what God is calling them to, 
right? Like, let's say somebody's doesn't is in. I'm sure there's a ton of people right now in med school or studying biology uh, or in like computer science, and they don't want to be there. And they at least would want the freedom to discern, like maybe God's calling me to something else, but they don't feel that, right? They they don't feel that they can do that because of the like you said, like the context that that has already been shaped. I don't know exactly what shaped that context. I don't know why um, everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think maybe kind of to maybe shed further light, like just like practically thinking, I have no like factual basis on saying this, but is like, I think looking back, if we look at maybe maybe not even our own parents, but their parents and how many family members they had, you know, our our people were very pro life. Mm. You know, like there are like at least five kids in every family, like you know, and probably you know if there were five, six, or at least two of them would be a, a nun, a priest, right? Like the, that was the thing. And so I think, and and so in that case also, like you know, there's this importance of taking care of your elderly, and so there would be always be someone to do that. As well as also like you know you know like there there is like all these different contexts I, I think kind of like just how our community over the years kind of formed itself once again not saying it's right but yeah I think that also kind of like sheds some more light into why now in a in a reality where people don't have that many kids where like you know we can't truly discern mm-hmm. anymore because we've been crippled by kind of like how things have been done so yeah mm-hmm. um. But yeah, that, that's really the point, just to get everything off the ground. Like the reason uh, this uh, cultural Catholicism is dangerous is because it's allowed to exist insofar as it fits into like... Uh, our traditions. Yeah. Our religious traditions. Our, our own context. And, and therefore... Practical it, things, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And therefore it, like, it renders our faith pointless. You know, like we do it. We're going, we're going to Kurbana. We're praying a rosary. But then have we lost, and I really do pose this as a question and not an accusatory statement, have we lost uh, the point of why we're doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, because if the faith is not at the center, then then yeah, we've certainly lost the point of the faith. Um, Jesus is either the Lord of all or not the Lord of all, uh, at all, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, curious yeah. for... Kind of an image it. that just is coming to my mind is like, you know, you said culture in a certain sense can be dangerous right and even these contexts that you you guys have brought up um maybe can be limiting but also at the same time there's been beauty that's come out of sometimes these struggles right because even from my own uh situation i can say that you know when you say you're the only son in the family at first is like oh my goodness like that's like going against culture a little bit um, so there are plenty of examples, and even uh, you mentioned Father Roy Pada. There, there are plenty of stories within our community. Uh, when we talk about vocations, we have a lot of vocations. You know, yeah. Kerala is a, a booming place of vocations. So, um, so culture isn't completely bad. But I think what we're, we're trying to bring up is there is a dangerous part to culture, and and so the, going back to the image that, that I was just having is. You know, we're called to run towards heaven, mm. right? We're called to run, uh, not just like not be sure of how to get there, but we're called to to really like be on that race, you know? Mm. And it's hard to run a race when you know that like, there's parts of the path where there's like marked out with cones and <laughs> it's a little slippery and stuff. And you're just like not so sure. I mean, you can get there, but 
it's not we're not making it easy right yeah. and so, yeah. so yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. culture uh when it's so ingrained within our church we're we're not allowing ourselves to to go towards the path right yeah. and so we need to be very careful and say is that cone necessary there uh, mm. we don't necessarily need to take out culture completely but are certain things because there are beautiful cultural things that we get from Kerala, which we do here, you know, certain, like, for example, for, we, we did, for Syracuse, we did the whole Pedernal series. There are some awesome traditions that we have, which we got to keep, but are these traditions, are these things from our culture crippling us to yes. not go towards the path, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah, kind yeah. of an image that I just want to put out there. Like, I, how can we run? I think that, that's, that's a great way to look at it where yeah. there are some parts of our specific Kerala cultural context that's, yeah, like constraining us mm -hmm. from living a life that's fully lived. I actually, just to bring in a quote from John Paul, St. John Paul II here, because mm -hmm. uh, he had a lot to say on specifically the relationship between culture and faith, right? Uh, he said, therefore, cultural commitment and spiritual commitment, far from excluding one another or from being in tension with each other, mutually sustain one another. And I think he's saying that's supposed to be the case. But you can take this quote and then look at it in light of our context and being like, well, this we have a, we have a lot of we have a long way to go, you know, like to, to get to where where John Paul II is calling us to be. Yeah, and I think one thing that I kind of want to go back to is right, like this whole vocation thing of like right and numbers wise, I you know looking at the past and even now like. Mm -hmm. Our, the church is blooming a lot of vocations right but you know like i i don't know like i, I don't know if especially looking into the past like I, and i'm not one to call in any priest or anyone's discernment or anything but one thing i do know is like especially like back in the day saying oh yeah you know like we got a priest in the family like priest and none it's a really like there's a lot of clout you get from that, right? Mm. I'm once again, it's, it's I'm not deal, saying yeah. like that's why every any every priest or certain people go to seminary or that's why certain families have a bunch of priests or anything. I'm not mm. saying that at all. But like, you know, like there's a little more incentive like social incentive. Exactly. And like there are stories, frankly, I've heard in my own families or like other families that like you know, like you know, raise an eyebrow, like, you know, well, you know, what what was the reason why they, you know, certain individuals joined seminary at first? I mean, obviously God, you know, uses it all for his glory. And I trust for that sure, 100%. Sure. Always at like, the end. Like that's always. Exactly. Case. Exactly. I mean, hopefully at least but like, you know, like this whole discernment thing, like it, it's like either, you know, it's like the other end of like, oh no, like we have one son, no one's going to seminary or like we have a bunch of kids. All right. One of us, one of them got to go to seminary. Like, you know, one of them got to go to the convent, like this, is how it is. You know, like there's all these different extremes like out there, right? And I think one, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, too, but I feel like one common theme that I see is like pride, mm. right? Is is it not like, yeah, and I think it's, you know, having your, your son, you know, stay back and, you know, continue the bloodline. Maybe not fully conscious of, you know, pride kind of overruling that decision or whatever it may be, but there is something that you receive from your name continuing yeah right and also you know or having a priest in the family pushing someone to go to seminary or convent unnecessarily there's there's some pride associated with that right mm. so i think that's another thing that we i think we should like we should also say because the the you know bad priests are 
or are what take the church down. Bad priests and religious are, you know, like, are what's in a way like screwing us over. I mean, I mean, not once again, not saying anything about the church's situation in Kerala right now. I'm not saying these are the reason or that's the reason, but our church was suffering in Kerala. Yeah. All the attacks of the evil one, we, we could see it. You know, socially, in the social, social level now, like, the church is crumbled. Like, you know, we have no respect. And maybe that's for the good, for a good reason. Now the real faith can come out, right? But there is no, like, you know, respect socially. Like, this is the one thing I hear oftentimes hear a lot of, you know, like, uncles talk about, like, Right, because all these different cases you hear. That, that basically what I said was, uh, <laughs> I can't understand you, when you go to India, you can't even walk on the streets anymore. You know that's what I said because, like, you know, everyone knows what's going on with the church, right? Like everyone knows, and so yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot there. A lot there. I think um, I don't know too much about like the situation in Kerala or specifically in regards to like priestly vocations or, or religious vocations in general, but I mean, I, th- I think the, the same kind of problem, same mentality kind of goes into even just like for the average person, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not even necessarily somebody that wants to be a priest or religious. It's like somebody that chooses an unconventional path, somebody that like, you know, maybe changes up what they want or like wants to do like more ministry than focusing on like a, a specific career, right? And like there's these like, I think that happens like so often, especially, I don't know, I see it so often in like the American context and I'm sure it's like in other places too where there's like, you know, a young person or whoever that like wants to go in a path that's not necessarily like doctor, engineer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they truly feel like they're doing so, like there's two parts to it, right? There's one that's simply doing it out of like some crazy passion or whatever. And it's like that, okay, you can be still, it's like it's their place to see and you can kind of write kind of criticize that in, in a good in a, in a loving way and be like okay like why are you doing this is this well thought out well thought out and then there's those people that are like clearly they're doing this because like they at least believe that this is where the lord is guiding them nobody can say not even them if that's actually the lord speaking to them i mean may, they have if anything they have more assurance than that you're nobody to say that mm. but i think the lord blesses even those that know like think that that's what they're doing right and i think that part of things we've kind of forgotten that like um like when it comes to this cultural catholicism like that instead of like you were saying earlier instead of it um being at like the center of our lives we've made it sometimes at the top but even that it's like it's conditional like if it's at the top like right even in this ranking order as you were speaking i was thinking about like the scripture like from from matthew 6 about um uh, so, so do not worry and say, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given you besides. So do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Sometimes I feel like we see that and we read, so worry what your kid is to eat. <laughs> worry what your kid is to drink and yeah, provide for yeah. their family. These are the things that the pagans seek, so we should seek them too. Your heavenly father doesn't know about this when he's calling you to something. Right. Seek first the kingdom of getting a proper career, and then the kingdom of God will come beside you. And we've switched the whole order of things. Mm. And it's like... I, it, sorry, like, I think just to go back on our last podcast, right? Like, 
This is what the resurrection does for us. It opens heaven to us that, oh, the career is not the end goal. This world is not the end. It's heaven, right? If, once again, our Martha cross, we hold it up so high. And like here, obviously, you know, what Jesus grants us is freedom from this world. Yeah. And so, you know, once again, going to this passage, if, you know, if the kingdom is not what we seek first, then everything we do is in vain. Like, what's the purpose of going to church and putting it secondary? We receive nothing from that. Yeah, and, and I want to stress that, like, especially one aspect of this, that, like, especially as I was discerning my own career and stuff, that people would kind of uh, misunderstand what I was saying and that, like, I was saying that that stuff doesn't matter. And that's not at all the same thing. And, like, even, even the Lord himself here is not saying that it doesn't matter. He said, he says specifically, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So he's not saying your heavenly father knows you don't need them all. Just follow me. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. He's saying you need them all. You need the clothes. You need the money in our own lives. You need to find the career, oh, whatever that's, it is. That's a right? great way to look at it. Yeah. Like he's saying you need them all. He's not just neglecting them, but he's saying like these things will come unto you. Like do not the birds have their own clothes, not the flowers have, have their everything that they need. Right. And we look at that seeking first. What is that priority list that he's putting there? Seek first the kingdom of God. And I think, Sometimes we look at that and we're like, that's so naive. Hmm. And it's like, well, I, I mean, then you're, you're calling, you're calling Jesus naive. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how else to say it. Like you're calling Jesus naive. If you think that it's naive to, to put what the Lord, what you believe to be the Lord's mission in front of you, if it's in the light, if you've done some proper discernment and you can, and you can see that and see that this is where the Lord is calling you. And if you can see that your child has honestly looked at this and that your child honestly has struggled with this and whatever it is and, and seen like they believe this is where the Lord is calling them and they don't have any other outside incentive for this. And, and you look at that and you're like, well, they're still just crazy. They're not seeking. They're not worried about their kids. They're not thinking about how to provide. They don't know how hard life is and stuff like that. Well, you're, you're doing exactly what Jesus told you not to do, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I think that's hard to hear, but necessary in that mm-hmm. like you, you, have to it's it's <laughs> it's funny we were on a walk before this and i had these like i had this thought that i've been trying to like answer for myself and like uh and i was pretending like how woke i was for thinking of this because honestly i felt so i was like wow this is what i've been like trying to put words to but this whole idea of like who's who's a model of parenting in scripture mary, mary and joseph mary, right mary and joseph mm-hmm. and especially through Mary, we can see because she was with Jesus all the way to the end of his life, right? Mm. We see this attitude. What was she taking? The whole way through, she held these things in her heart. She struggled with it, yet she allowed him to go to the point of death on a cross. And I think, like, can we really look at ourselves, especially as parents, as siblings, as friends, or whatever, when, when we're looking at another person's life um, in, in the context of, of like, our faith, or, or even our own lives, can we like really look at that and say like, I trust God enough that he will take care of my child through this and maybe my child needs to go through this suffering that I'm so scared of. Mm. And I think oftentimes we can't do that because we're like, well, if there's some suffering in the way, if like they're going to struggle financially, if they're going to struggle socially, all these different things, and that's not from God. And it's like, where does it say that? Where does it say right. That there won't be those struggles in, in scripture. And My I man was crucified naked on a cross. What do you mean? <laughs> he was broke. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus was broke. That's a good point. You know, and, and this is, 
that, that's a whole different podcast on like career discernment and stuff. But the, but the point being like, why is it that we take our faith, we do all the, we have all these devotions, we, and, and rightfully so, good things, right? And like you said, we go to Kurbana and sometimes even daily Kurbana and we have our prayer, we even do holy hours, whatever, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we may even have like a, a solid relationship with God, right? Like there's like a lot of holy parents and stuff we know. Yet this one aspect that's like like you were talking about this roadblock on the uh, roadblock on the race to heaven, mm-hmm. where it's like they can't let go mm-hmm. of especially their children, mm. and and I think that is an aspect of cultural Catholicism that's killing our community. Yeah, I mean, or, I think we can extend it further, where it's like not just their children, they can't let go of their earthly life. Yeah, yeah, like that's like that. Absolutely, I think I think yeah. that's that's the image. Like I keep like thinking like I keep doing this this motion. Because like the faith is not hitting the center because yeah. they are, they can't let go uh, of of the earthly life. Because yeah. once it's it's like this, it's like it's like blockage. Once you let go, it can hit. Yeah. Um, and I just r- really quickly on, on this note of um, because you were talking about pride and how that's also kind of like a roadblock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's it's it can partly shape why you would want a priest in the family. It can partly shape. Why you uh, don't want a priest? Why, why? Why you don't want a priest? Uh, it can it can shape why you why um, parents think a kid can only become a doctor or an engineer because of pride. Uh, at the same time, I think on literally on the other side of that same coin, it can also be shaped by fear, because what what what's what's the verse like? Do not worry. Um, do not worry and say, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? Or what are we right, to wear? Right, right. But I can imagine there's a lot of people that's, uh, that can admit to themselves, I am worrying. That's why I need to grasp for what I think is yeah. good and secure, namely a really good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, I, we talk about it with so many people where it's like, like what's, the, what's the one reason uh, you know, a parent wouldn't, wouldn't want their kid to be a priest or take on like an, an unusual path because like, like how are you going to make money? Will you find a wife? Will you, will you do this? Will you do that? Like, well, it, it's all questions coming out of this fear where it's like, if you let go of this life, if you actually go venture off into the unknown, right? Which is partly a huge part of what it means to follow God's will. How will you be taken care of? Like it's, it, you really, you're, you're like this, uh, the cultural context, like when we face questions like that, we're literally facing the tension of, of the Christian life because the Christian life, demands that you go into the unknown but we don't want to yeah probably because of our own pride mm. probably because of our own fear so let's just create a catholicism where we don't have to venture to the unknown where we don't have to meet those demands and that's what i call dangerous catholicism yeah one one aspect of that and like i don't mean to digress too much but i, I think it's connected in that yeah. like um like I'm learning like more like theology of the body right now and stuff. There's this like one aspect that like really blew my mind in that um, this like, and, and it's really just like, uh, you know, something that, and I'm sure if you asked your parishioners as well, it'd be the same thing, but about priests asked, like being asked um, how many of their parishioners do you think, or how many of your parishioners do you think believe that the body and like the earthly life is a shell that the spirit exists in rather than like two unified things mm. that, that the body and mm. the spirit are one. And like all the priests were like probably 95%, 98% of like church going Catholics. So not, not even the ones that have left the church or anything like that, mm-hmm. that there's this like preconceived notion that the body and like our earthly life 
is just a shell. It's just like a, a, a temporary thing where our spirit is. And it's honestly like a hindrance for our spiritual life. And one day we'll be free from it. And yeah, so that relates to the sexual realm and like how we, how we live that out and mm-hmm. like our physical bodies, how we live that out. But now that I'm thinking like, I feel like that's deeply connected even to just earthly life in general, mm-hmm. how we think like, yeah, no, it's good. Like focus on these spiritual things, like grow your spirit, right? Like grow your spiritual life, grow, you know, your faith and all these things as if it's like a external dimension that's kind of temporarily contained within our everyday life. Mm -hmm. So then we take on this idea that like, yeah, right now what I need to do is focus on my school. Right now what I need to do is focus on, you know, my, my career and all these different things. One day I'll finally be free from this to where I can just be in heaven and my Mm -hmm. spirit will be free where we don't understand that those things can never be separated because that's death. Right. And, and like, like that whole long debate we had last week about the incarnation. I mean, I think that's what it is. Folks, we had a four hour debates last conversation on the incarnation of Christ. That wasn't recorded. It was not. It was not. But this is what it is. Like this is Jesus came into earthly life. He didn't just take on a body and chill there and have people come to him. Like he took on an earthly life, went around, worked and like took on like all the different aspects of the earthly life earthly suffering, earthly like tensions, anxieties about providing all these different things. You look at the apostles, like Peter trying to provide, you know, and I mean, where, where was it like the miracle with Peter, right? Like not having enough fish. And we look at all these things and we can see like how deeply tied they are. And we're, we're committing like, frankly, deep heresy, like the Gnostic heresy of separating the spirit and the body, mm. spirit and earthly life. When we take this attitude that like, okay, at, you know, 24 hours in a day, one hour, I'm going to Kurbana today, but the rest of my life, I need to focus on these other things. I need to, I need to grow my mm-hmm. career. I need to focus on this mm-hmm. and these different things because we're separating two things that cannot be separated unless there's death. And I think like that dimension of things is not talked about enough. How like there's this idea, spiritual life, good, but like in a separate dimension, like yeah. focus on this and then that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like to also say um, this cultural Catholicism is also a fragmented Catholicism exactly. where it's like your spiritual life is here, and the rest of your life is here, and they don't, they can't correlate. Mm-hmm. When in fact, they're, they're actually supposed to. You can't separate them. Yeah, you, can't. Mm-hmm. you actually cannot. You're yeah. right. I think like this is the problem, right? And like this like type of Catholicism or faith Truth be told, it cannot survive today. It cannot. And it, it's that, that's the thing. Well, well, well what, fi- what was your faith? point? Say, say so my bad. So this the separation of the soul uh, and the body, yes, yes. and like letting you know prayer be separate, and then like oh I need to worry about you know my bodily you know bodily meaning worldly you know things mm, and focusing yeah. on that separating those two things and not unifying the, unifying them cannot survive anymore as a like. Like even religion cannot go on, like Catholicism cannot go on even as a social structure. Yeah, this is actually a core aspect of what uh, St. John Paul II was talking about in culture of death. Mm. Like a lot of people just think that that's about like abortion and different things. It's, this is like a huge part of it too. This culture that's separated, you know, our spiritual life as, and like on our souls from our everyday life in technology, in work, and these different aspects. That's why he's known to be talking about all of these different aspects. 
Because unless you can really reunite those two as they're meant to be, that's an overall culture of death that, like you're saying, cannot sustain itself, mm. right? And because it's, it's meant to collapse, it's death. That's, that's what it does, right? And I think, you know, to remember that, that this culture of death does not just stop at things like abortion. Mm. That's, that's not the main point. That's, you know, that almost like down the line, an after effect of an internal attitude that we've taken that these things are separate. Yeah, where we fragment the Catholicism. Go ahead. And sorry, sorry. And I think the thing is, when it is united, right, the body and the soul, right, prayer and your everyday life, right, when all of that is, you know, combined, I think there you'll see it, right? In the struggles, you will see it. In the in the day to day to day life, you will see what what that does to you, right? Mm. And so I think as parents. Your, ch- your children will also see that. And what does that mean? That means the passing on of the faith. That means that, right? And when that doesn't happen, the faith is not passed on, right? That's why the, I think, especially in Kerala, like I know from firsthand experience, like, you know, there are relatives that I know, like in Kerala, that, you know, it's, you know, it's not happening no more, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, that, like that separate, I think that separation has kind of, brought them to this point where it's like, yeah, honestly, this isn't it for me. Mm. Right. And I, I think that goes back to the, this, you know, Pope, uh, Pope Benedict, right. He had yeah. This quote. Yeah. 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 Cause, um, yeah, bring that up. Yeah. Cause, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so before I mention the quote, like the, mm. the context of it is that like, like, like we, we're living in cultural Catholicism right now and we're seeing the fruits of it. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, like look at our, like we, we haven't exactly seen a, retention rate of young Sir Mulberry people coming back to parishes. Um, Cause we don't know what those numbers look like, but like we can kind of guess like it's, it's, it's not a necessarily a bright future, you know, like because, b- because of this cultural Catholicism, you know, like, and, and, uh, and Pope Benedict tried, tried to answer this question, you know, because um, what was it? Like we, we hear all the time, right? Like parents will say like, you know, like I go to Quran and I pray, but yet my, my kid still doesn't like receive the faith. Right. And Pope Benedict will say, it's because you didn't talk about the deep things of the soul. In other words, and it, it really, it, again, like, I'm not trying to accuse anybody, but we really have to ask ourselves, like, did the faith really hit my life? Did I allow it? Did I allow the finger of Jesus to really go all the way in, into my life and transform it? Did I allow that? Uh, that painful and beautiful transformation in my life. Because if it did, then you can't help but give witness to that. Um, and if and if you didn't, then that then you if you didn't if you couldn't give witness to the faith, then that's why like you that's why our kids aren't coming back because nobody has given witness mm. to them. Um, There's a phrase that. Um, Oftentimes, lapsed Catholics would say, you know, I grew up Catholic. And um, it's probably not a phrase that uh, is far away from our generation and coming generations. I grew up Catholic. I grew up with this, you know, church, very traditional families and all that. Um, And I love hearing that phrase, especially as walking around with the Roman collar on or a cassock. I grew up Catholic. Wow. Wow. and my response often is, how did you grow up Catholic? Because I'm still growing in the faith, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah. um, but 
truly, you know, we should be in this process of always growing because if that reality hit at any point in our life as you were in that process of growing, it should be something that's still affecting your everyday, yeah. you know? And like so you'll, you'll make it'll you'll want to make it grow every day if yeah. it if it hits. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But I, I think I think that's that's kind of the point of about cultural Catholicism where it was it was alive. Uh like like you went to Kirvana. Yeah. You prayed cool. your rosary, nice, yeah. But it didn't hit mm-hmm. and therefore it was rendered pointless. Yeah. And that's why like I mean, and frankly, then, for, the, for the younger generations, like, I mean, that, 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 what you just brought up with, like, I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Like, that's like one of my, my biggest things too. like, it, frankly, a pet peeve because it's like you hear it and it's not a pet peeve because of the person saying it, but it breaks my heart because it's like, no, no, I don't, I don't think you did. Like, I don't think yeah. you experienced Catholicism because I know I did and I, and I can make that same claim. I grew up Catholic, you know? Mm. So it's like, and uh, I, the reason I bring it up is because like there's this idea that it's not even when somebody says that most of the time, they're like confident in what they're saying and that like they grew up Catholic and they knew what it was. Mm. It's not even somebody saying like, oh, I wish I'd experienced more or like I wish I understood things more. Yeah. Oftentimes there's a confidence in what they understood, yet it's wrong. Right. Like, yeah, like the cultural Catholic. And that comes from cultural Catholicism. Like I was thinking about, like we're talking kind of in the like Indian Cyril Malbar context, but I mean, even just think of like, we're, we're in America, right? So think, think about like all these, you know, Catholic cultures, like German culture, Irish culture, all these yes, different cultures. Yeah. Like I was thinking of the departed, the movie we saw with yeah, Matt yeah, Damon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, DiCaprio and all these things, yeah. all the Catholic references they made, right. right. About like having an uncle that was a priest having, uh-huh. you know, like all these different things. And you look at that and you're like, man, like they, like, quite frankly, they know what it, like Scorsese is known for like creating like Catholic themes in his movies, right? But what is it that he's creating? Is he creating like liturgical themes with like the story of the incarnation and all these different things? No, when we refer to these like Catholic themes, we're talking about cultural Catholicism. Yeah. We're talking about like he's making reference to people going to mass. Or like praying the rosary. Right. He's making reference to these different things and like, you know, you kind of see that and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool that like a d- big director like Scorsese is doing that. But then you look at the deeper implications of that and you're like, but that's kind of sad because like Catholicism is being reduced, mm-hmm. reduced to, to just, just that. Ritualistic and, and these actors, these and directors and the overall culture now thinks that they know what Catholicism is. Yeah. And I think that's like uh, yeah across the board that's exactly. just how people see it exactly yeah. this this is all it is yeah and th- yeah like we can like we can look at our own young people and like if that's all they're see- if that's all they're seeing then yeah i get it it's a know? subjective choice at that point it's yeah. like if if the liturgy is cool to you then fine like if it's like a nice thing to go to otherwise it's like why not go to a concert on sunday right you know like w- what's the difference and i think you know, unless there's that, that deeper, like you're saying, if it hits, right? It's mm-hmm. got to hit, man. Like, it has to go all the way down. To, it's like, if the faith is not reached, like, the deepest part of your soul, if it's not informing who you are and also where you're going, then, then like, there's, there's no point, yeah. you know? Like, we're all fooling ourselves. Yeah. So, just something I think about is, so we're on this path towards heaven, and we, we see that you know, culture can sometimes be limiting. The reality is for us as Catholics, Sir Mullenberg Catholics, every year it's the same cycle. 
liturgically, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a Christmas. There's going to be an Easter. There's going to be a Lent and all of that. And, um, and you can see that at different points of the year, there are uh, blocks of culture and tradition and, and times we go to church, times that we're uh, praying a little bit more intensely and all that. And it can just, we can just see that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, this, this happens again. Oh, even if I don't go to church for two years, okay, it's this time of the year. Okay, let me plug myself back in. But it can be so boring if we just just see it as that's, that's it. But if I actually enter, because again, Easter it was beautiful for all of us. Holy Week was beautiful for us because you're trying to, you know, just go deeper into, into what's happening, you know? And so um, if it's just that cycle, then after a while you can just get tired of it. You, you find yourself out of the cycle and it doesn't really matter, you know? And so um, the culture is there, but I think it's so important for us to, to experience and, and to have, you know, an actual just desire to know more, right? About, about the faith and all that. It never ends. It's a yeah, never ending never journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always something deeper with our Lord. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I was thinking about in this whole topic is um, trajectory. because mm. uh, And it, this really falls in line with uh, your image of like the, like going to heaven. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole like to, to be on the journey of, to heaven yeah. is a choice that you and like we're consciously making because we have been, been touched uh, by the Lord, right? And that's like that, like the faith has now hit and it's given shape to our lives and it's informed us of our end, heaven. That's where we're going. And I feel like that's a great question to ask for, for everyone who's listening to this, like just to take a moment to pause and be like, where am I going, right? And that, honestly, that's been like a, it's been a hard question that I've had to ask myself mm-hmm. the past couple of days where it's like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think sometimes, because it's either like you're going to heaven or you're going towards the world, right? In the sense that like, like is, is your end goal really the job? Is it really the degree? Is it really glory on this earth? Um, and like, how far will that take you, you know? Uh, but yeah, so I, th- I, th- I think I say all this to say like, your end is going to shape how you're going to see the rest of your life. If the end goal is heaven, uh, then it'll shape everything else. Sure. And, and a, as you pointed out in this gospel, like everything will be provided for if, if, if our uh, trajectory is, is true. And I, I, think, I think I just want to give a shout out um, because just to kind of weave a couple of pieces of our conversation together, like I, I, had a, a, I have a really good witness to the faith. I, I, when I was writing up all the notes for, for this topic, I was thinking about my dad, because he w- real he is someone um, one thing my, about my dad is that he's very vulnerable so he's not afraid to, to share uh, the things on his heart um, and he's really allowed the faith to to touch him you know mm. and, and it's really shaped his own trajectory uh, yeah he's a real estate agent but he knows uh, and he's made very clear to his children that he's more than that that he's a son and that he's He's a, that he's a Catholic. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch my dad in, I would say, like the last, what was it, like six or seven years because after his father died, my, my grandfather, um, he, he's, uh, my, my dad 
ever since my grandfather died, my dad has been reflecting and thinking and frankly talking about death a lot. Mm-hmm. He talks about, he reflects on death all the time. Like I want to get him like a skull <laughs> to, for, for his birthday or for father's day or something to, so that cause, cause he, he talks about it all the time. But sometimes it's like really like it, it sounds really morbid and somber. Um, but the thing is, is that he'll never talk about death without talking about the Lord without talking about heaven and he does this one thing where he like uh i hope i hope i can do it right where like anytime he talks about death he'll put his hands together like this and like look like like super like bottom you know like like look into heaven like with this hopeful desire that he'll he'll meet his maker and like that 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 i think that's really hit me over the years because now i have uh i i i've i, I can really say like i've i've received my faith um, from my parents, um, and, and my mom, you know, like she doesn't talk about death as much, but like, I remember, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on another podcast, but like when I was growing up, uh, I had some questions about like my future and like what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember sitting by my mom's bedside and she said to me like, Josh, like, I don't care what you do as long as you do what God wants you to do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like I had no idea what that meant, but I had this freedom, you know? Uh, and looking, I think like knowing that I had this freedom to discern where I was going, um, where the Lord was calling me, uh, that, that all of that rested on the fact that my parents were free to even let me do that. You know, my parents, uh, don't get me wrong. My parents worry for me, Mm -hmm. for my sister, for my brothers all the time, but it's never to the point where they're going to close their hands on what the Lord has provided for all of us. Um, and like if I like if I could also share like what my own end is, right? Like this is something that was really profound for me just to kind of accept. Um I remember like maybe a couple of months ago, I remember saying to myself, I know in the end what what I want. Like when I'm on my deathbed, I want to be able to say, Lord, I loved you to the best of my ability and I did everything that you asked me to that, that you asked of me. And I repented of all my sins and yeah, I did everything that I, you asked me to do. And I, I loved you. Um, wow. I like St. Thomas Aquinas, like that dream that he had. Yeah. St. Th- Thomas, you have written well of me. What more, uh, what could I do for you? And Thomas says, Lord, I only want you. Yeah. You alone is enough. Right. Yeah. And like having that as our goal will shape everything else. And that, that's what allows uh, the faith to become more than just cultural right now. Mm-hmm. It's become real become and that's that's what people need to see you know i was watching this interview with uh, jordan peterson and what's that dude's name jonathan peugeot jonathan peugeot jordan peterson everybody knows who he is jonathan peugeot is like a orthodox iconographer slash carver type dude and uh, um, jordan peterson was like saying like you know christianity is great now but frankly i don't see anybody that like whose lives like make it like very clear that catholicism or christianity is real like nobody lives like it's real, and yeah, that's I think that's another way of uh, summarizing what we're trying to say here. Yeah, um, one one image that just uh, comes to my mind is sometimes I think if you've been to a, a ceremony of Barbaranal, this is my experience. I feel like everyone gets excited about that journey uh, of walking with the umbrella and the chenda and everything, mm-hmm. 
But I'm not sure if everybody always makes it back inside of the church for that <laughs> final blessing, right? <laughs> because sometimes there's like nercha and, you know, just a lot of uh, orlum and just a lot of excitement and stuff. And so, you know, going back to the to church, I feel like they, it's a little less. I mean, usually yeah. most people get in, but, you know, our our culture and everything can be beautiful, but we have to keep, we have to let ourselves find ourselves back in the church you know in mm-hmm. inside with our lord receiving a blessing in front of the altar in front of the tabernacle you know so um yeah just just a, a thought that mm-hmm. you know like let's just not go in the circle and, and find ourselves stuck but mm-hmm. in the church uh you know with our faith yeah i mean I, my question right now that i want to put in the in the center of the table is mm-hmm. uh, like what's He's like, nah, not in my cup. Don't <laughs> put it in my cup. Like, <laughs> 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 Jesus. Like, what? What breaks? Uh, not not what breaks cultural Catholicism, but like, how do we? Because like, what if what if someone's listening uh, right now, mm-hmm. and like, let's say they're a cultural Catholic, right? First of all, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Love you. Yeah, and it's it's not to like divide. You know, I'm, us I, from I'm them. a cultural Catholic a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, yeah, that's all of us, right? Yeah, like we yeah. we all fall into it. I think that's really important to admit. I'm glad I'm glad you said that. That like it's always a battle between, um, you know, like making the faith real and like letting it just become the background. But, like how do we, how do we get out of it? You know, like my first thought is like, like if there's any like call to action coming out of this podcast, like it's always deeper conversion. You know, like we have to let the Lord touch us. Um, I'm thinking of like the, I guess I'm thinking about Thomas, St. Thomas and Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. like, but but Jesus is allowing Thomas to touch him. And yeah, I guess that's good enough. Sure. Like, 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 like Jesus touching us, like going into our wounds, going into our life, going into our fears. So, but our, but I, I want to stay on that for a moment, just a quick moment in yeah. that. Like a huge aspect, and I was just learning this today, a huge aspect of what Jesus was doing there was as his whole life was like becoming vulnerable to us so that we can be vulnerable to him. Mm. He was asking us to put our fingers into his wounds to tell us in a way, here, you felt my wounds. Put your finger here. Let me put my finger into yours and heal you. Mm. You know, and so so th- they are deeply connected in like in in even him coming into our wounds. Yeah, with the end product being deeper conversion. Yeah, where we can all say like, "My Lord and my God." Yeah, and let that shape our whole lives, not just our you know our fragmented spiritual life, but like let let that seep into everything, right? Yeah, until like we can truly like sing, "Lord of all." You know, mm. like what what are you guys thinking? I th- I think. Uh, in, ter- in terms of like kind of final call to action in, you know, a lot of what we were talking about is kind of all over the place. And, and at least for me, it, it'd be like this question of like, are we willing to let go of absolutely everything in our lives and absolutely everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Including our children, including our siblings, our friends and including ourselves. And, and th- there's this imagery that, that uh, Christopher West was using today in terms of like, um, you know, God, God, the artist, God, the creator in terms of like, are we willing to throw our canvas up into the air and let the artist paint as he drops it back down? Mm. And I was like, 
that that's beautiful. And that, that would be my challenge to everyone here is like, are we willing to let the canvas of our lives and everything that it holds, are we willing to throw that up into the air and let the Lord do his art? Bro, that's a challenge to me, man. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It is hard to yeah. let that happen. Yeah. Going off that, I mean, I remember being very profoundly impacted by Matthew Kelly's book, Rediscovering Catholicism. And at the very uh, beginning, he just lays out this question that all of us should be able to ask is, what does God want you to do with your life? Um, so oftentimes there's that pride element of this is how you're to live your life, which is kind of the culture and all that. Mm. But can you bring all of that and lift it up to God and just just simply pose the question? You know, it's not easy, but to do that and... Um, that's that's a key uh, portion for us um, to allow ourselves to continue to grow. You know, um, the culture, especially that Sir Malabar Church has coming from India, I think can continue in a lot of ways. But there there's some things that need to be let we need to let go of, and also we can embrace different aspects of culture from here. But all at the same time as we're doing this, lifting up to God and say, God, what is your purpose? What is your will for me for this community? Yeah, I mean, sorry, I was thinking of something totally different as you guys were saying. All this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess like, I mean, we started with, you know, addressing our specific community, the Syro Church. Uh, you guys were also, but I think kind of, you know, s- kind of speaking back to our community, one thing that I want to bring up is uh, the our beloved auxiliary bishop, uh, not, a, not of our diocese, of the Archdiocese of Jagnashiri, uh, Thomas, Thomas Tarail. He, he was addressing the... Catechal, catechetical, catechetical, you know, teachers at some convention, bunch of people, and he was saying it was really, it's really good, right? We have, you know, it's, we have done a really good job of, you know, teaching our children catechism, our, our school, you know, the all the studies. Yeah. There are a lot of kids enrolled. You know, things are going. You know, people, a lot of people aren't really maybe technically leaving the church, right? You know, with the numbers wise, you know, things are kind of looking good, but you know, like we have not created anyone that is on fire for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. That was a fire talk. I know. And it, this you, was, you listen to that one too? Yeah. it was all in Malayalam, but thanks be to God. I could kind of understand it. Right. My mom was telling me about it. Yeah. And like, that is, I think what I want to say to our, our parents, our priests, ourselves, all the CCD teachers in our community, let the gospel resonate in your, in your life and share that with our children, share that with each other. Because that's what gives life, and that's what I think sets sets the world on fire, right? Obviously, it comes from the gospel. Obviously, it comes from you know the textbooks, right? But it's it's by living it out that our children receive it. That's the only way I received anything that I have, right? It's not solely by reading the textbook or or solely by reading the gospel. It's by seeing awesome priests, awesome seminarians, awesome Jedens and Chaitis that have lived out the gospel. That's what it's about. So we got to share that. Right, and the, yeah, that's honestly all that I have to say. We need some saints. Exactly. Yeah. Saints are the people who let the faith. Yes, there we go. Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, just like on the last note, because I thought you were going to say that, uh, you said set on fire, but I thought you were going to say set them free. But that honestly, too. that's that's true too, and I think that's a really interesting thing. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got. Yeah, cool. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be to Jesus Christ. Now, Now, always, always and and forever. forever. Amen.
Amen.